Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. So today I have a special guest, someone that knows me very well and has basically grew up with me and with my dyspraxia and my autism. So my special guest today is my mother. I've written down on my notes, would you be able to introduce yourself? Obviously I've introduced you as my mum or is there anything else you want to add introducing yourself? We're just an ordinary type of family, aren't we? We've been a mum, dad, brother, sister, and like family of four. Um, I've always been a career-minded person. I've sort of like done my studying, my exams, being career-driven, focused, and that's how it kind of like all started. So when we had a family and you were the firstborn, I still wanted to carry on working because was what I wanted to do and I didn't see that having children you in your career although I wanted that same balance of working from home and staying at home as well as working and getting up the career path so we were very fortunate in that I had some family that live abroad and there was a lady who wanted to come over and she wanted to learn English and become a nanny and just as you were born it was an ideal situation where she came to live with us and she was looking after you taking you to nursery and picking you up giving you food playing with you etc etc and dad was working and that point your brother hadn't away so we were just a family of three so everything was um hunky-dory Nice and rosy, yeah. Would you say I was different to other babies, such as Harley, with my milestones, Harley being my brother? Obviously not. No, you were happy. We had a nice family unit. Um, Everything was flowing well. You ate, you looked, you smiled, you laughed. You were doing the things that babies should be doing. Now, looking back in hindsight, I can see those little telltale signs. But I didn't see them at the time because you were my first child. And of course, everything um, was just fine. You know, we we were learning. Um, Your dad and I were just learning how, what it was like to be a a new parent. And you don't compare yourself. Well, I didn't compare myself. And when there's no actual disability that you can see, you've got all your limbs, You've got your two eyes, your one mouth, your two ears, your legs, your arms. When you don't see anything wrong either, there's no reason for you to think that there's anything wrong. And you were just perfect. You were, you were great. You were lovely. So, um, but in hindsight now, I can obviously, I can obviously tell, um, you know, there was the delayed learning. But it didn't matter. You didn't crawl. You rolled. <laughs> You were the perfect baby that slept all night from day dot in the hospital, you know, whereas your little brother, your little monkey was, you know, waking up every two hours. Um, You were never like that. You were the perfect baby. You ate loads and slept loads. You made my life perfect it was such a breeze was it a shock when i was in reception when the teacher said that there was something up or something wrong well you know it's really funny because um we had our um cousin that was with us and she stayed for a year and of course everything was fine you know she didn't say anything and notice anything either but when we were taking you to nursery after this is when Cotter had gone home and you were starting to cry, not being wanted to 
stay there. Um, I just thought it was just normal that children just wanted to be with their parents and their family and they didn't want to be taken out of their comfort zones. It's quite normal for kids to be crying, but you always cried when you were being left. And um, it was really strange because I was living in this bubble and one day, right at the very end when we more or less finished at that nursery just before we went over to reception they kind of like gave me a little report about you um just saying how you don't mix with anyone you didn't really talk to anyone you kept yourself to yourself and they were effectively criticizing the way that you were and I was not happy with that and I was like how dare they you know how dare they so like badmouth my child you know how it it was their fault you know they should have helped you integrate more they should have like done more to make your time there at the nursery better but they only had they were only like pointing out all the negative things and i think they were slowly trying to hint to me but they hadn't hinted before they left it till right at the end and of course i'm in complete denial like what on earth are you talking about you know how dare you say anything about my child She's lovely and it's your fault. You're you're the ones that have not made her fit in properly. But of course, you know, when you did go to reception into school, I never dreamt. I thought you'll just grow and develop. I knew you were shy and reserved, but then your dad and I were shy and reserved when we were young. So that's not that's not a disability. That's just normal. That's a family trait. So when reception said, you know, to me, um, can we have a word? Um, we don't think Athena's, you know, picking things up quite as she should for her age, the same as her peers. It was almost the second time we'd heard it. And it was come from a lady who had nothing but love in her heart. And the way she told us was so nice anyway, that it made us think a bit more. And, and we were like, what? How? No. Um, and they offered a helping hand as to, you know, getting extra support, trying to, you know, get to the bottom of it, working together for the benefit of you, Athena. So it's a shame we didn't know earlier and we didn't see it because we could have made, you know, we could have looked into it a bit more and got the help and support we needed while you're growing. But but you would have probably been in the same position. Um, but it was fine. The school was brilliant. So it wasn't bad. Nursery had approached it a bit earlier and in a nicer way. Do you think you might have got me tested? Definitely, because the minute we were highlighted and drawn and, you know, the way we were told and the way they were working with us, I was very fortunate. Like I said, I was in a, you know, my job um, came with lots of benefits, which included private medical for the family. And I was able to make so many different appointments, this appointment, that appointment, let's get to the bottom of it. What exactly are we dealing with? What is it that she's got? Can we can we sort of like get this changed? Can we sort of like improve the situation? Can we? And, you know, I had all that private medical care early on. So it just meant that in, as soon as you started school, we started doing all the testing and the discovery of what you could do, what you couldn't do, what the limitations were, and then putting together a plan. If we'd have had that earlier, it might have been a bit better. Um, But would it have made that much difference? Probably not. 
it just would mean that, you know, when you did go to school, you would have got the right support right from the word go. But the school were brilliant. They they got you all that support that you needed. I mean, they had a Senko, which was the, the special needs coordinator lady. And um, they, they could tell. They were a caring school anyway. And most teachers are caring. You know, most schools are lovely. This was exceptionally lovely, the school. And the people within it, they had a genuine caring feel for you Athena and they did they wanted to make sure they got the funding and even when they were trying to get the funding to get the extra support in they took it upon themselves to take you out into the corridor do lots of one-to-ones with you they'd already experienced other children that had got special needs plans and what put in place and I think they assessed what they thought and they tried to help you they could tell the signs so they they wouldn't pick on you or make you do something that was uncomfortable and they would always praise you and look at your progress. Um, so mainly the one-to-ones. And the Senko lady actually came and just did some extra work with you, learning the alphabet, reading, writing, and how to communicate in general. I remember going out into the corridor having the morning there in the afternoon. But I think having support in class, it I think it did limit the friendships a tiny bit because people would see me with a support teacher and they'd think, I don't want to sit next to her, an adult sitting next to me when we could be chatting. I think you're probably right because once the um, once the school got the funding in place, which didn't actually take too long, you got the maximum amount of funding. So they um, there was an outside person that came in as well and she used to sit next to you in class so that the teacher wasn't held up with all the others. But I think you're probably right. The other children would see you as having a disability because you've been with the one-to-one teacher and then she was sat next to you or in class or you were out in the corridor. So they knew that you needed extra help. And kids can be so cruel, but probably I don't think you realized it at the time because nothing ever seemed to bother you. It went over your head. So as you got older, especially sort of like since leaving school, your senses of people around you and what people think of you has improved immensely. But when you were young, you didn't actually realize if anybody said a bad word about you in, behind your back. I don't think you were aware of it at all. It went right over your head. So I don't think you need to worry about that. And as parents, me and your dad, we we encouraged other mums to bring their children to our house. We we had family days. We had parties. We did things with other parents. So you were always included with the other children, even if you weren't at their level. But um, I can understand that a lot of the children didn't want to play with you a lot because they saw you as different with having the one-to-one. I, I do get that. But I don't think you were affected at the time with it. And everybody that spoke to you always had nice things to say about you. But um, I, I think because you didn't have those deep friendships with people, I can understand how you might have thought, oh, maybe they don't want to be my friend or they don't like me or anything because you found it difficult to get into a deep friendship level. You, you connected more with older people. You could have the conversations with older people, but you were intimidated by the others. But then when you were younger, you didn't really like the makeup and the fashions and the heels and the jewellery and the perfumes. You weren't that kind of girl. 
but um but now you're totally different you you've been on a big journey athena but a very successful journey and when when you look back now and you go onto your Facebook or your social media and you see the other people that were at school with you at the same time, you've actually achieved a lot more than what they have, or well, what a lot of people have. Yeah. And and I think some people have actually reached out to you and actually sort of like said some really nice things. And I think people are actually are actually seeing you now because when we when we're younger, we we can be very immature. But as people get older, they have a different take on life. And I think lots of people that you used to go to school with or used to know have, have reached out to you via Facebook. I'm sure they have. And and they nobody says anything bad. They, they reach out and they say nice things about you because they see what you've done. I had a few people from high school reach out to me. And like when I graduated, they said congratulations. People that I thought didn't want to be my friend. But a couple of years later, they were acting nice, which surprised me, which sort of surprised me. Then I thought about it and I thought it was, all, it was in my brain. They never actually said anything verbally to me. When people leave school, college, university, they're not in that bubble anymore. They're in their own lives. Some of them have got jobs. Some of them are married. Some of them have children. Some of them are sort of like just still single on their own. And some of them can be very lonely. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think I, th- I think human nature. When you see someone that you know and you think, oh, they had a disability, and um, and you look at if they've actually achieved something, and you see that, and you think, oh my gosh, that transformation. And the people are genuinely pleased for you. I know there's a lot of people out there that say horrible things, but you've never had that. No. No. So your journey's been a lovely progressional journey. It's been lovely, Athena, and you're still at the very beginning of your journey. Do you remember the process of what it was like being with me being diagnosed with dyspraxia? Well, yes. So we we went to see a lot of specialists. Ears, nose throat, hearing, coordination, occupational therapist, um, the brain. Uh, we, we went to see so many people and, um, and, and with the school doing their assessment to get you statemented as well. Um, it was strange because we all knew there's something, but we don't quite know what. But it was always like, once we know, can we work with it? But it's, it was really strange because we had this doctor and he basically had said, got dyspraxia, that's it, deal with it. It's just a generic term. Um, lots of people have it. Can't say whether she'll grow out and grow and develop and it will get less, but just accept her for who she is and um, she'll, she'll develop in her own pace. And that's all we could do. And that was a little bit frustrating because not to be labelled, I mean, he told us not to label you. Not to be labelled does put you in a bit of a limbo because you think, ooh, what am I dealing with? Dyspraxia was such a generic term. Um, so we just went with learning difficulties, but nobody could actually tell us. She's got learning difficulties, but give her five years and she'll be just the same as everyone else and she won't have the learning difficulties anymore. 
or do this and she'll be so much better or give her this medicine. There was none of that. So we had to fumble our way through life. But I think we did it okay. Yeah, we did it well. I think I think there's been some up and downs, but we've got coping mechanisms now, definitely. <laughs> good, Athena, good. Do you remember how friends and family reacted to me being diagnosed? It was very strange because um, it's almost like when you tell people, like, oh, yeah, we knew. And as a baby, I think other people, and you as a baby, you as a toddler, I think other people could see there was something not quite right, but we couldn't see it. But nobody told us, nobody wanted to tell us. Or maybe they were just unsure, they didn't want to be unkind. And I think when we said we're going through these tests, she's statemented, you know, she's got learning difficulties. A few people said, yeah, we can kind of like new. But, and you're like, oh my gosh, they kind of like new. They, they knew I didn't. And then that made me feel a bit bad because how do I not know? How do I not know that there's something wrong? You'd think you'd know something was wrong about your own child, but I didn't know. Other people's reaction, they obviously accepted because they already knew. Um, and growing up, people gave you a little bit more attention, a little bit more love. Um, other kids would get told off for bad things that they did. If you did something bad, you wouldn't get told off. It was like the big excuse. It was like the perfect excuse for you. <laughs> you could do whatever you wanted. Like, oh, that's okay. Athena's got learning difficulties. It's like, fine. <laughs> we don't, we're not going to tell her off. She's not doing it on purpose. We know. <laughs> So other people were accepted and you got a lot of leeway and a lot more attention. Um, so you didn't, you, you were never, never naughty because you were just genuinely, you, you were a child that couldn't lie. You didn't know how to lie. You were very black and white and uh, you weren't devious. You weren't cunning. You didn't over, you didn't plan anything in your head to think ahead. You were just, this is Athena. This is how she is everybody knew i suppose like was i black and white as a toddler do you think that would have been a telltale sign of autism especially not giving eye contact as well which you mentioned a lot oh my goodness you were terrible for eye contact you would you would be at school and um they one of the teachers or your ta would be working with you every day all day and you'd see her outside of school and we'd be walking down the street and be like oh here's your ta and straight away your eyes would go down to the down to the floor and you wouldn't look at that person. And I say, Athena, Athena, don't look down, you can look. And you just couldn't look at that person. But that's changed so much because you can look at people now, but you couldn't. You couldn't look at your you could look at your brother and me and your dad and your nan, but anybody else, your cousin, your um teachers, you didn't. Anybody you knew? When I was younger, I did struggle with it. And when I was in school, once I got warmed up, I, I felt uncomfortable. But if I just saw someone on the street that I wasn't expecting, then I couldn't put on a mask. It was too sudden. I think with my autism, I'm not very great at change. And when I was younger, if it was sudden change, I was worse. But yeah, like you said, I've grown and I've learned how to mask in certain situations. Not all the time. Masking isn't great all the time. But I think in some situations, it's good. So I've written down, how did you feel about me moving away to university when I actually moved away and went to halls? Well, I thought you wouldn't survive. <laughs> like, no way is Athena going to survive. How on earth is she going to look after herself, cook for herself, 
get ready, do the buttons and the zips okay, find what school book she needs, get her pens and her pencils, get there on time. How on earth were you going to organise your life when I did all the organising? I took you to college. I made sure you put everything in your bag. I made sure what type of clothes you were wearing. I made sure you got up in time. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is she going to manage? How is she going to manage? And then there was about social interaction. How was she going to socially interact with everybody else? How was she going to be? How would people be with her? Is this the first time that bullying is going to occur? Is this going to be a big problem for her? Or is she going to find her feet and, and, and be okay? It was but I think it turned. I think it turned out all right. Since university, I thought I'm just gonna hyper focus on trying to get everything perfect and creative routine. Even though I haven't done it before, I'm just gonna try. Yeah. So they knew you were a hard worker at school because you've always been a hard worker. Because you've got to try 500% more than the average person to get the same results as the average person. And, and college recognized that. So they awarded you the Erasmus, um, the program to if you wanted to go. And that was brilliant. So you had some work experience in Italy. And, I, and that was in a controlled environment because lecturers were taking you all as a group, but they still left you alone in, your, in this college or uni house that you had. And then you had to go to work. And, and then at weekends, you kind of like stuck within that small group. But then you went off and did things together as a group. And you came back totally different girl after that trip. That was the best experience ever. That was brilliant. And, you know, if I could be a supporter of those types of adventures and develop self-development in other children that have learning difficulties, I would love to do that because that changed you. You came back a changed girl. Even though we had lectures there, I knew it in a flat with 10 people similar to my age. We had to do shopping on our own. I remember on the first day, I walked into the shops. I almost cried because I was so overwhelmed. But the end, by the end of it, I was I was like, right, I know what I need to buy. We were taking trips to Venice on the train. I was, every single day, I'd wake up at seven o'clock to go on the um, underground metro to go to my placement. Uh, I felt more confident as the week went on I think it I think it definitely prepared me to you for uni especially like going there I wasn't worried about going to Tesco or going food shopping going to the town center I wasn't worried because I'd already had that experience so I think I know what the answer to this is what I've written down what are you most surprised about about my achievements that I've achieved well independence is the first thing <laughs> massive achievement on independence and being able to I mean you went to Manchester and that in itself was a fantastic location because of the um, network the transport network that means you going from A to B if you planned it right you know all the crossings for crossing the road all the buses and just getting around the place was brilliant if you'd been in the sticks out in the middle of nowhere how would you have got for me to be without these and other people relying on other people it uh, it was it was good because it was a big city and you were getting a taste of that life and um, slowly but steadily it didn't change you overnight and you still had to grow and develop and learn but you were doing it in another safe environment effectively 
So your independence was a brilliant and massive thing. Would you say that as well as going to uni? Yeah. Yeah. Going to uni because um, <clears throat> even now I say, oh, Athena's gone to university. She's... Has she? Oh, I didn't think she'd be able to go to there. Uh, why? Oh, oh, and then they like catch themselves. Oh no, people think that just because you've got learning difficulties that you can't go to university and you've proved everybody wrong. You have to, like I said, you have to work bloody hard to get the results. But, and you don't have time for much socialising, but you do and you don't. You worked hard. You worked really, really hard. And look, you came out with a 2-1 amazing three marks i was three marks off her first but i came out with a 2-1 which i was quite happy about well done athena last pointer is do you have any hopes and dreams for the future i've got hopes and dreams for me i've got hopes and dreams for you i've got hopes and dreams for your brother and for your dad and i'm such a positive person i'm a really positive person so the thing is you've opened a lot more doors and you're not afraid to try you might get anxious you might get your anxiety i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it and then you take a deep breath and then you go and do it and you can you're doing this podcast you're doing you're working on a radio station you go and talk to other people about different jobs you you're exploring it all and you're excited to be doing it all and every time you do something you put all your effort in you never slack and that's why I'm so proud of you because everything you do, I know you're going to put 110% in every single time. You never want to be second best. You, you always want to do everything as perfect as you can. And that's why your perseverance, because you are, you do persevere and your perseverance will get there in the end. So my hopes in the end, so my hopes and dreams for you, I know that you're going to do something wonderful. What exactly? I'm not sure. But I know it's in this sort of role, whether it be radio, TV, script writing. I think you're going to be your own boss and you're going to be like a consultant and you're going to do stuff for everybody else because you're becoming more of a people person too, aren't you? Definitely. I'm definitely learning to integrate with people more and more. Yeah. Heading, you're heading in the right direction and you're only at the beginning and that's why it's quite exciting because there's so much to explore. Just don't move abroad, Athena, to the other side of the world, like Australia or something, where I won't see you ever again. You're not allowed to do that, but you can grow and build yourself up anywhere, so long as I can carry on seeing you. I think that was all the questions, Mom. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh, you're welcome, darling. And, you know, anytime, anytime. And good luck for the future, darling. I know that you're going to be amazing. And you're already reaching out to people all over the world and connecting with them. I think when people see what you've done and what you've achieved through help and guidance of others and now standing on your own two feet. Anybody with learning difficulties, dyspraxia, autism, you're, for me, I think you, you inspire them. You will inspire them when they hear and see what you're doing. It's, it's great. It's inspirational. Oh, thank you. You're very <laughs> welcome, darling. Love you always.